out there in podcast land. You're set to down once again to Combat Sports with Rhino, your first, best, and only all-encompassing combat sports podcast where we cover boxing, MMA, kickboxing, Muay Thai, everything and anything under the sun of the old combat sports umbrella. Now, today, our very special guest joining us later in the program is going to be the probably the biggest rising star in the entire bantamweight division of the UFC, Adrian Yanez. So I can't wait for you guys to check out my interview with him going 10 rounds with Rhino a little bit later on the show. So today's schedule is going to be as follows. We are going to have a quick Rhino Gang rundown or our Rhino Gang roundup, as I like to call it. Yee-haw! <laughs> I'm never going to get tired of doing that. So apologies in advance. Then we're going to have our full UFC 260 breakdown. Dre is drop of the night, an awesome Q&A sesh with the beloved Rhino Gang. And then once again, man, we're going to get into our 10 rounds of Rhino with Adrian Yanez. So I hope you guys all enjoy that when we get to it. So let's go ahead and get started out with our um, Rhino's Roundup. We had my man, Fernie Garcia, fighting for the LFA on Friday night against Isaiah Batin Gonzalez. And Fernie had a very tough first round uh, with Gonzalez being a very game and a good opponent. But in the second two, it was all Fernie. He wins again, climbs to nine and one, loved it for him. Rhino gang, gang, gang. And then later on the program, we're going to be getting into our other Rhino gang member who fought this weekend, our girl, Miranda, through the Maverick. But again, that's a little bit later on. So let's go ahead and dive into our UFC 260 prelims. We had in the middleweight division, we had Abu Azatar versus Marc-Andre Barrio from <laughs> from Canada, from Quebec. Uh, this one was fun, man. The first, first round, Azatar came out swinging. Um, he seemed to get the better of Mark Andre in the first round. The punches were landed. They weren't really hard, hard shots. He did hurt Mark Andre early with one, uh, but Mark Andre did a very good job of, you know, collecting himself and getting it back into the clinch so he could recover. Azatar really got tired after the first round. Mark Andre definitely was the aggressor landing more and in much better shape in both the second and the third couple of nice takedowns. It was a very strange point at one part of the fight where uh, where Abu's mouthpiece fell out and he just stopped and started to cover pick it up. And I, I, Mark Andre was like, fuck that. And he hit him again. It took him down. It was, it was an interesting little bit in that fight. The thing that kind of put it out of uh, the, the normalcy of what you normally see in a fight. Right. But big win for, I got a late, late uh, third round TKO for Mark Andre Brayal with uh, the ground and pound. Good win for him. Moving into Shane Young versus Omar Morales at 145 pounds. Omar looked big, bro. They said he fought his entire career at 155, him moving down. So Shane did a good job of moving around, right, and kind of um, trying to spread it out and make it less of a firefight and more of a, um, you know, get in and get out. But Omar was hitting, was just stronger. He was hitting harder. He was cutting angles. He was doing a much better job of inflicting damage on Shane Young when he was able to, uh, be the aggressor. He did a little bit too much staying back and kind of letting Shane dance around. But when he did engage, he was definitely the better striker and the stronger one. He got the very clear cut unanimous decision um, over Shane Young. Then moving into the 205 pound division, we had Modestus Bukowskis versus Michael Oleksijo <laughs> from Poland. So we had Lithuania versus Poland in this one. Uh, this one was a fun fight. Very, very close. They both had their moments. 
Uh, Michael definitely landed a couple times that hurt Modestus. Modestus did a good job of coming back, trying to stay at length with his teeps. And he had a couple of nice spin kicks that didn't land, but um, they definitely made Michael back off because Michael was the one providing the pressure. At the end of the day, they gave the split decision to Michael. I, I had it for Modestus, but again, it was razor, razor close. So no, uh, no robbery or anything like that for that one. Uh, moving into the 170-pound division, we had Abu Bakar Nurmagomedov versus Jared Gooden. This one was not the most fun fight in the world. Uh, there was a lot of, you know, one or two strikes or techniques landed, and then not much else would happen for a while. We know that Nurmagomedov wants to take Jared down. Jared was keeping his arms low and keeping his stance low because he wanted to make sure he was able to defend the takedowns. Not a super exciting fight. The clear-cut unanimous decision goes to uh, Abu Bakar. And so, yeah, Habib's cousin gets another win and moves forward in the 170-pound division. All righty, moving into our next fight, we had Alonzo Menafield versus Fabio Charant. This one, we didn't have to wait long for this one, folks. Early takedown for Alonzo Menafield. Fabio tried to get him in, the, like, a, in like a guillotine. Alonzo put on the old Von. It's called the Von Flu, but we, you know, we, they were saying it last night, too. It should be the... OSP choke at this point because Ovin St. Peru, coincidentally, Alonzo's last opponent was has really made it uh, his thing and his signature. So, yeah, really early in the first round, Alonzo Menafield got the uh, Ovin St. Peru choke on Fabio Charant, who was coming in on late notice. He just fought in the LFA. Uh, geez, not even maybe three weeks ago or something like that. So, yeah, short notice for him. I think we might get uh, hopefully we get to see him. Uh, fight again because that was a very short notice fight. So big win for Alonzo Menafield. I know me and my boy, my homie, Mr. B, we were talking about that one a few days before. So uh, yeah, good on Alonzo Menafield. All righty, moving into our main card, we had Kama Worthy versus Jamie Malarkey. Jamie Malarkey has one of those names that, man, everybody had a fun pun or something funny to say about his name afterwards. But this one, again, was quick, dude. Jamie Malarkey landed a beautiful left hook, uh, staggered Worthy. Worthy took a couple, like, steps and then fell onto his face. <laughs> once he uh once he fell down malarkey jumped on landed a couple more shots a couple more right hands from like back mount and then that was it for that one so uh that's a rough loss for comma worthy big win for jamie malarkey all right let's get into our main card from ufc 260 our girl miranda maverick right oh, gang 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 had the big fight with Jillian Robertson. This one was postponed last time because Jillian pulled out with illness the day before. I think that Miranda used that as fuel for the fire because, boy, right from the get-go, Miranda was landing hard. She was landing that beautiful left hook a lot. Uh, she got the actual early takedown more than Jillian because we all know that Jillian wants to take the fight to the ground as early as possible. But clear in the first round for Miranda, landed a whole lot more shots. The second round, Jillian did get the takedown. Um, even when she was in top control, Miranda was working hard from the back, trying to switch things around, landing shots. I did give the second round to Jillian, uh, and then in, just for the through the top control and the takedown. But then, man, third round, man, Miranda Maverick again, a series of hammer fists, really kind of you know did a great job of getting ahead of Jillian in the strike count and and her takedown for herself as well. Very, very fun fight. Both ladies put on a show. I thought Miranda Maverick, obviously, with this was kind of her coming out party. We've got a great question for her or about her career uh, upcoming in the Rhino Gang, so stay tuned to that. So another win at 125 for Miranda Maverick by unanimous decision over Jillian Robertson. All right, moving into Sean O'Malley, boo, Sean O'Malley, boo. Not a fan of old Sugar Sean, but he did a great job. Thomas Almeida, again, he was a stud for a long time. 
And then once he got, he lost to Cody Garbrandt, he has never really seemed to be the same. So Sean O'Malley did what Sean O'Malley does. He kept the pressure on. He, he was landing beautiful leg kicks throughout the fight. He dropped Almeida several times. Everything that O'Malley seemed to throw, even if it was a uh, quick jab or a leg kick, seemed to be hurting uh, Thomas Almeida. Sean O'Malley got the TKO in the third round. Again, Sean O'Malley is very, very tall and rangy, and if he keeps going against these fringe 15 to 20 fighters, then he's going to dominate them. So I really hope that the matchmakers see the error of this and finally give him somebody up, uh, maybe even in the top 10, so he can get smooshed onto the ground. (laughs) His face gets concave, and he gets beat up and maybe gets some humble put into him. I don't know. We'll see. All righty, moving into Vicente Luque versus Tyron Woodley, the former champ. Man. This one was not good for Tyron, bro. He looked good early. I mean, Tyron looked good early, but then Vincente Luque, bro, he threw an overhand right that sent Woodley back into the cage. He 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 could not uh, get out of his own way, man. He he should have grabbed and clinched on something, but uh, he he didn't. And Luque tried finishing with strikes, couldn't do it. So that he slapped on a Darth choke, uh, submitted Woodley in the very first round. So I think that's it. For Tyron Woodley in the UFC, I think we've seen the last of him. Could he could he change promotions? Maybe. But, again, I, I think that's it for Tyron Woodley. So, you know, no shame in his career. He had a lot of great wins. He had title reign. But I think that time has passed. And Vicente Luque with a big, big win in the co-main event. All right, moving into our main event of the evening. My favorite fighter in the entire promotion has been for years, Francis the Predator and Gano versus the champ, Stipe Miocic. Wow. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and fast forward to the second round and the finishing sequence because that's what's, you know, that was what's most important. <laughs> okay. A left straight Ryan Ganu sent Stipe back into the cage, staggering. Okay. He managed to kind of bounce off of the cage and try to get out. When he did, Francis hit him with a beautiful uppercut, which hurt Stipe again. Stipe kind of stumbles his way backwards, kind of into the middle. Then he kind of collected himself and came back towards Francis to try to engage. Francis hit him with basically a power jab, but Stipe was coming back hard to throw his own offense. Really stung Stipe, folded him backwards. Wow. And then a huge follow-up hammer fist for Francis the Predator and Ganu. We have got ourselves by second-round KO which also the Rhino called. You can check back the tape of last week's show. That's what I said was going to happen. But hey, moving forward. <laughs> moving forward. Francis, the Predator Ngannou, is our brand new UFC heavyweight champion of the world. I am so stoked. I loved it. I didn't talk I didn't talk too much in the week leading up to it because a lot of people that I uh, talk to, respect, and you know, am friends with, they were all super on board with Stipe. They didn't want to have any arguments. But I called it last week. I'll keep saying it again. Francis Ngannou is the man. Love him. Love his story. Love his fight style. Love everything about him. Super stoked. I really like Stipe. I always have. Firefighter, family man, good fighter. But this is Francis's time, bro. So, wow. What a win in emphatic fashion for Francis Ngannou last night. So, D. Reigns, that is our recap of UFC 260 and our Rhino Gang Roundup. Yeah! Oh, my gosh. I'm even starting to annoy myself with that. My apologies. So let's go ahead and give Dre a call and get her world-famous drop of the night from last night. All right, ladies and gentlemen of the Rhino Gang, let's go ahead and get our world-famous Drea's drop of the night. Drop of the night. Drea, what do you got for us this week, my friend? 
There is no way I could go with anyone other than Francis Ngannou on this one. Um, he came into this fight a beast. He dominated Stipe through round one and nearly got a finish. Then round two came along. And Francis connects with this beautiful left to Stipe's chin, and down he went. Francis landed uh, one more on the ground before the ref stopped it, and it was lights out for Stipe. Uh, Francis, the predator in Ganu, is literally the scariest man on the planet. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that was one hell of a KO. So my drop of the night goes to Francis in Ganu. Drea, help, help refresh my memory. Did did somebody predict a second round KO last week? Was it? That would have been you. Oh, my that God. would have been you. <laughs> and if we're being honest, I actually had when we did our picks last week, I had round two KO written down. And then you said round two written uh you know, for it. And I go, shit, I don't want to just sound like I'm copying him and just doing the same pick. Because when we were doing our picks, it was like, we had the same pick every, you know, over and over. Yeah, so we were I, I thought, two picks yesterday. Yeah. I know. So I ended up while we were recording, I, you know, I'll just go with round three instead. But I literally had round two written down and I ended up just going with round three. But so from yeah. here on and moving from here on and moving forward, we're definitely going to play more call outs because I, all the times that I win, I've never said anything online. And I would never do that. And then <laughs> you announced it on the show. Though. I would do it. Yeah, you're right. I would absolutely say it on the show. I would tease Drea when I was beating her. But now Drea is on a three, a one, two, three week <laughs> win streak over me. She outpicked me by two picks yesterday. And she put it out on Twitter that she beat me again. Therefore, it's on, sister. It hey, is. it was only it in the on. fleets. It was only in the fleets. So. It was only a fleet. <laughs> it wasn't so, on the timeline. <laughs> from here on out, homie, it is, it is on, feature player, Dre. All, All right. right. <laughs> so let's go ahead and get into our Twitter questions. I know our first one comes from our homie, Dean Dog, my Harley Davidson riding homie. What do you got this week, Dean? What are your thoughts on the UFC opening up the venues with full capacity? Should the UFC go back to full capacity, dude? In my opinion, no, not yet, not at all. Um, I'm totally fine with like a limited capacity scenario following social distance measures, you know, putting in protocols, but 15, 16,000 people all on top of each other for like six to eight hours inside. It seems like a terrible idea, bro. I know that in a lot of places that, that cases are in the downturn which is fantastic that's exactly what we want um but you know i listen i always listen to the mookie and crookie show so shout out to them my girl steffi haynes had a had a they, when they were talking about it, they had a very good point when they brought up uh, it's different and you're in an outdoor stadium right when you're in open air like a baseball stadium or a football stadium that's different because you know germs and other disgusting particles they tend to be spread out and go up into the atmosphere right i'm not trying to get too scientific because i'm not a scientist but i just say it just seems to be like that would be a little bit safer than being inside right like an arena like the ufc is going to be so for me i think it's too soon to pull the trigger on a full capacity indoor event that's just my opinion on it it doesn't feel right doesn't feel good to me i'm i'm worried about it right so that being said that's my answer on that one so dean thank you very much my friend please feel free to keep the questions coming because we love having you on the show my dude all righty next one comes from our homie raise sweet potato the rsp from canada what do you got this week rsp power the great equalizer something all true heavyweights have in their back pocket that they can call upon when needed John Jones does not possess it. Even with his incredible diversity and creativity, is he really a threat now that Francis has developed patience and takedown defense? 
The jump in size disparity he is heading for is bigger than the difference between flyweight and middleweight. As a heavyweight yourself, could you touch on some of the stylistic and power differences between heavyweight and light heavyweight and how that's going to play into Jones' effectiveness against Big Franny? Yeah, dude, that's a great question. So first part for part one, I think, yes, I think John Jones is a threat to Francis. Um, I don't think, I agree with you. I don't think he's going to knock him out. I don't think if and when they do fight that John is a, you know, like a major threat to knock Francis and Ghani out. I just don't see that happening. I do see him staying on his bike and like doing that oblique kick and the low kicks and trying to jab and get out of there as best as he possibly could. I see that being the game plan that he would implement to Francis. And yes, that could lead to a win for John Jones. I just think that's a, that's a distinct possibility. Um, as far as your second question, it's like this, dude. There's a difference between light heavyweight and heavyweight power. And it's substantial. It's a substantial difference. Then there's Francis Ngannou power versus other heavyweights. Combat sports, in one form or another, has been around for forever, right? I don't think I'm overstating it in that the fact that I'm saying that the man who has the Guinness Book of World Records for the strongest punch is the hardest hitter in the history of the world, okay? He hits harder than anybody ever has, at least in combat sports history, about the world. Shots that aren't even his most powerful shots really hurt and can finish anyone, right? We saw a jab last night. You know, granted, Stipe was coming towards him, but it was the jab that really that landed on him and folded a 6'4", 235-pound man backwards and basically out. If you're talking about even shots that get blocked or that only partially land with, like, half power from Francis Ngannou, they are going to hurt you. They're going to hurt any other heavyweight. John Jones, again, and I'm surprised that we've never, we haven't seen John Jones uh, at least take another fight at at least a fight at heavyweight before stepping up to this, but we'll talk about that more later. If you want to talk about the, like, the scariest and strongest punchers in the history of combat sports, obviously your first thought is usually Mike Tyson, right? And his strongest, Tyson's 5'9", five, 5'10", five, about 225, wearing 10-ounce gloves. And we saw what he was able to do against Dozens and dozens of big, strong heavyweights. Francis is 6'4", 265 with four-ounce gloves. You're telling me there's not a difference in those? There is, and it's huge. I think that Francis Ngannou's power is of the likes we've never seen. I don't know if we're ever going to see it again. Uh, yeah, it's a whole other ball game. Me as a heavyweight, I would be terrified to get in there <laughs> with Francis Ngannou. So that's my only answer on that one. RSP, thank you so very much, my dude. I know our third one comes from our girl, APB, Drea. What does APB have this week? Great win last night for Maverick, Rhino Gang Gang Gang. Gang 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 Gang! <clears throat> Very impressive performance. How do you think she, sh excuse me, who do you think she should fight next? I'd like to see her fight Jessica I. I think she'd give Jessica a great ass whooping, and I'd love to see it. So what are your thoughts? Well, first part is APB, I agree. <laughs> I really like the idea. Of, I really like the idea of Jessica I, but I also the other name I came up with was Macy Barber. I think that would be a great matchup for Miranda at 125. Macy's ranked a little bit higher. Macy's coming off a loss. Miranda's coming off a win. It, it, it would be a good matchup in that regard. I also have this like, well, first of all, they've also got almost identical records. I think Miranda has one more win than her. So their records are almost identical. But probably most importantly, at least to me, uh, this podcast hosts. 
is that I love Miranda. I, I had a great conversation with her. I followed her career. She is a fantastic fighter. Good person. I like everything about her. Everything the opposite about Macy Barber. Dude, Macy Barber and Bucky Barber can both step on a rock. I don't like them at all. I don't like their personality. I don't like the way she fights. I'm not a Macy Barber fan or her dad, Bucky. Um, yeah, they're not, they're not fans. I'm not a fan of either one of them. I think Miranda would piece up Macy Barber, and I think that all of that um bravado and arrogance would finally go out the window and we would see miranda maverick ascend the level if you will at 125 so i definitely would love to see either jessica i would be great or macy barber next for miranda fear the maverick all right so that's a great question apb thank you so much teacher play adrea you have already knocked out all of your we didn't have the picks for next week because there's no fight next week so you've already knocked out all of your future play in this on this episode of CSWR, <laughs> and we certainly appreciate having you on. And yes, once again, Drea won the picks last night. She beat me by two, which was the first two fights on the card, actually. So we didn't, we didn't have to wait long to figure out who Yeah, won. So we, yes. we knew I won really early on. <laughs> yes, yeah, so definitely all made credit, watching the fight all a lot credit due to future player Drea <laughs> for beating me again. Congratulations, and we'll see what happens for the uh, week after next. All right. We'll see you next week. All right. You got it. Talk to you later. All righty, folks. Let's go ahead and get into our voice questions. And our first one comes from my big homie, Jim Assoon, who is feeling very lifted in this question. He says, what do you got this week, my homie, Jim Assoon? What's going on, you bunch of fucking casuals? Rhino and the Rhino gang. Hope you all are doing well. Sorry I haven't been around in a couple of weeks. Uh, you know. You can see I've been out on the road with the missus, so it's all been about her. Because, you know, I fucked up that one week and made her come home early, and I told her I'd pay her back, and that's what she wanted for payback, so she got two weeks. Actually, it's our third week now on the road. Anyways, enough of my fucking mumble jumbo. I am fucking wasted, kids. Holy fuck. <laughs> um, all right, we're going heavyweights, man, because you're a fucking heavyweight. You know the shit. Jones or Lewis? I'd love to see Derek Lewis. You know I mean, Jones is going to want too much money. I don't see that happening. But anyhow, it is what it is. It's always for 20 kids. Peace. Yeah, dude. We, we've all kind of had the understanding that John Jones has been given the word that he can be next in line for Francis. I know there was a lot of uh, Twitter traffic last night with him talking about he needs to get paid, so on and so forth. But... If if he is next at you know if he is next in line for a title shot with Francis and Ganu, um, man, I think I, I think it would really have to be one of those deals where he's got to really focus on uh, getting in and staying away, right? He really I talked about it a little bit earlier. He's really got a size strength disadvantage from Francis Ngannou. Again, I'm really surprised he didn't want to take at least one heavyweight fight prior to, you know what I mean? Whether it was someone like Blagoy Ivanov or Marcin Tyboro, just to kind of gauge the size and strength difference from light heavyweight to heavyweight. But hey, if it is Jones and Ngannou next, man, that's a fight fan dream fight. I would love to see it. I hope we're going to see it. Um, I'm 100% committed, dude. If that happens, I think it's going to be probably the biggest fight in heavyweight history. It's going to beat Lesnar and Frank Mir. Um, or I, I believe that's the biggest uh, heavyweight title fight as far as views go. But I really do think Francis versus John Jones will break that record. And, yeah, I really want to see it. So, Jim Assoon, thank you so much, my friend. Uh, let's get into our next one for the comments from the homie Juice. 
from the Friendly Sparring Pod. Juice, what do you got for us this week, my dude? What's up, Rhino? It's Juicy Fruit, baby, from the Friendly Sparring Podcast. Last night, your boy Francis <laughs> became the new heavyweight champ. And before this, we were all told, all right, he's facing John Jones. And then what does John Jones do as soon as the fucking knockout comes? He goes on Twitter and says, oh, pay me. Like he's not even going to take the fight. So I don't want to talk about that. What I do want to pivot to is something Dana White said about Francis fighting Derek Lewis. Now you've heard me time and time again say that rematch needs to happen. How do you see that rematch going? And please tell me you think it goes differently than the first fight. Because there's no way in hell that's going to happen again. Get at me. Yeah, homie. Just like when I kind of answered in Jim's question, I'm guessing it'll be John Jones. But if it doesn't, and it ends up being uh, Derek, I I think it'll be nothing like the first fight. I know both guys have improved. Derek Lewis' back is much better than it was. He was in a terrible... Uh, He had a terrible back going into the first fight with Francis. Um, They don't want to be roasted the way they were by media and fans alike, right? And the boss. Like, nobody wants to relive that nightmare. I'm sure the both of them had to go through for months on end after that one. And I think the biggest determining factor is the way that would be different was Francis' confidence. He even said after the last one, his confidence was shot after Stipe won. And he was really, you know, he, he was gun shy. And definitely Derek Lewis being injured. It was just, it, it, it was a combustible um, recipe for disaster. So, yes, if Derek Lewis and Francis Ngannou hook up again, I think it's going to be a whole different fight. And I think it'll be one that the fans would love while it lasted. So, thank you very much, Juice. If you guys haven't already, of course, check out Juice and Leo at the Friendly Sparring Podcast. All right, let's go ahead and get to our homie, another homie from up north, D. Cross from Canada Way. Brother, what do you got this week? What's up, Rhino, my brother? Um, I am so happy for Francis. What a beautiful human being. Uh, I just wanted to hear your thoughts on who would be the best uh, next matchup for Francis. <clears throat> Nobody. And uh, maybe who are some up-and-coming UFC heavyweights that people might be overlooking uh, that are going to, you know, make a splash in the division, uh, like Tom Aspinall, for example, or uh, I just want your thoughts on the heavyweights, man. And uh, I just wanted to thank you and Drea for that lovely note. I love you guys. Thank you for the stickers. I cannot wait to listen to the show. Uh, Have a great Sunday, everybody. Rhino gang gang. Yeah, my dude. So, so I like the John Jones matchup. If it happens, I'd also have no issue with Derek Lewis being next for the title shot. Both guys provide interesting challenges for Francis. So you may, you know, and the second part is you mentioned one, but my three heavyweights kind of keep an eye on over the next year or so are, as you mentioned, Tom Aspinall out of England, Chris Daukis and Cyril Ghan. I think all three of them have the skill, the size, the youth and everything that goes along with the power uh, to be great in the heavyweight division. Should they keep improving the kind of the wild card for this one would be Tanner uh, Bowser. If he gets by a year Latifi this summer, I believe they're fighting in June. I would put Tanner, I would put Tanner Bowser up in the, up in that as well. He he had a hot start, then he had a little bit of a, of a hiccup. And I think, like I said, Elir Latifi is a very good test for him. If he gets by that, I'd put him on the list of, uh, up and comers to keep an eye on the heavyweight division. I'm hoping that man, I'm hoping we are now in a era 
of the heavyweight division getting uh, back to prominence, dude. I really do hope that there's a lot of good prospects. We've got a great champion who's I think is going to be an active champion. Uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens at my most favorite division in all of the UFC. So thank you very much, D. Crowns. Run gang, gang, gang. All right, I know our next up comes from our homie Dave Fretz, the Iron Side of Graphic Design, and my main broski. Dave Fretz, what do you got this week, brother? Hey, what's up, Rhino? This is Dave Fretz at Dave Fretz on Twitter and Instagram. Um, amazing card last night. Really enjoyed it from top to bottom, uh, to be honest. Um, some fighters on there that uh, really not a fan of. I'm speaking of Sugar Sean right now, but man, uh, hard to, ne- to deny that performance. Pretty amazing. Uh, so good to see Francis Ngannou win that belt. Um, and then listening to it in, in the post-press post-fight press conference afterwards too. Um, just love that guy. And so it feels so good to have him end up with a belt. Uh, John Jones looks like he was tweeting all night, defending himself, talking about money, talking about not being afraid. Uh, I feel bad, but I even tweeted out something like, uh, Hey, John Jones, it's okay to be nervous. Um, but, uh, just wondering your thoughts on that fight. Uh, if you think it'll happen and how do you see that playing out? Talk to you soon, man. Peace. So I touched on it a little bit uh, in the previous questions, dude. If I'm Mike Wigglejohn, I'm pretty much drilling John every day in practice about strike and move. Throw an oblique kick, throw a low kick, throw a jab, throw a cross, and get the fuck out of the way. Stay on your bike the entire time. Don't engage any with any clinch work or any takedowns or anything like that. Stick and move, stick and move, stick and move. Um, if I'm in Francis's camp and his coaching staff, It's the same game plan week in and week out. No matter who you are fighting, you've got the power advantage. You've got the heat in your hands. I say pressure, move forward, throw hard shots. Um, I haven't had time to do like a full assessment of if and when they do throw down. But when that happens, in my opinion, as it stands right now, I've got Francis Ngannou by mid-fight KO, second or third, as of right now. Because we don't have any, you know, we don't have any background on John at heavyweight yet, though. So I'd have to see some something but yeah if i had to call it right now if i was you know forced to call it i'm calling francis by second or third round ko that'd be my uh early call without like a full breakdown of assessing uh all skill sets involved but dave france thank you so much for asking the question my brother now before we get into our 10 rounds with rhino with adrian yandez let's get a quick word from our sponsor hey rhino gang are you looking for a piece of furniture to tie the room together maybe make it feel a little bit more homey How about a beautifully restored dresser for the bedroom or an end table for the family room? We'll look no further than my good friends at K&R Designs. You got a piece of furniture that needs restoration? They got you covered. Looking for a new addition to your home decor that's already been beautifully done? They got you there too. We're talking dressers, armoires, kitchen tables, cabinets, nightstands, any and all wood furniture you can think of, they've got or can get for you. So check out K&R Designs in-store at 101 West Chicago Boulevard in Tecumseh, Michigan, or on their website, K&RCustomDesigns.com. Check out their Facebook page, K&R Home Deco, that's D-E-C-O, to see everything they have and the amazing work that they can do. You can also call and order at 517-605-7173. They accept PayPal, Venmo, Square, Cash, Check. They accept them all. So if you want the absolute best of the best and restorative wood furniture creators, you got to check out K&R Designs. Tell them you're a member of the Rhino Gang, and that'll get you 20% off your very first purchase. 
Once again, check out KR Designs, Combat Sports with Rhinos, proud sponsor. Everybody out there in the Rhino gang, we've got ourselves a very special guest going 10 rounds of Rhino today. UFC Bantamweight coming off of another heart stopping knockout. Adrian Yanez has joined us today. Thank you, sir. Man, thank you, man. Thank you for having me on, man. I, it's an honor to be on. Oh, dude, we are so stoked to have you on. Nobody hotter in the UFC Bantamweight division than my man, Adrian Yanez, and we have half him here today. So, bro, round one with 10 rounds of Rhino is almost always the same. We love to hear the origin story, the backstory, the how you got into the crazy, wacky world of mixed martial arts. Man, actually, it was just, it just like, I always uh, loved boxing, you know, because we kind of grew up watching boxing. But the way I got into MMA itself was just one day walking into the mall with my mom, you know, just, I was like walking through the mall with my mom and I saw a gym and I immediately was gravitated to it. And, uh, I walked up to the, walked up to the front counter and just asked what, what was going on. And pretty much after that, like, I was like, I want to do that kickboxing stuff that's back there. But, uh, it took a little bit, minute just for even me for to even get signed up. It took like a month or two before that. And then, uh, it just, it just turned into something. I was just doing cardio kickboxing for, for a little bit. And then I did my first jiu-jitsu class and I just fell in love. And I was just like, yeah, like I used to think it was, uh, I used to think MMA was for, it was for weird, um, weird men that would like to grapple in their underwear and everything. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty cool to like see the transformation to see like how, like how far I've gotten into this because like, dude, it was like, like I was a, like an avid boxing fan where, where like, I would like argue to death to to people who loved MMA being like, no, boxing is way better than MMA, hands down. And now I'm now I'm the other guy. I'm the other guy saying, no, MMA is way better than boxing. So I'm, <laughs> I'm that guy now. So it's pretty cool. That's awesome, dude. So really, you burst onto like the national scene with your first round knockout of Brady Wang on the Dana White Contender Series last year. Can you kind of walk us through your experience of being a what would we be see perceived as like a regional fighter to getting on the national stage like the Dana White Contender Series? Like, what was that process and experience like for you? And it, it was it was definitely a, a weird one at that. Honestly, like for me, because fighting on the regional scene, like I never have gotten ever gotten that type of notoriety. We're on like Access TV, uh, pretty much like. Uh, Access TV, uh, UFC Fight Pass, uh, fighting on like Fight TV, uh, getting a little bit of pay-per-view love on that. But uh, man, it was never to the point of like being on ESPN Plus and like to seeing the love like that I had gotten overnight was like, wow, like it, it was weird for me because I had never had that type of experience. You know, I I have only sold like like hand in hand, like tickets, like person to person. Like the most I had personally sold was like one one hundred. I was struggling to sell a hundred tickets. Uh, at one point, like whenever I fought in fought in Bellator, I sold like that was the most amount of tickets I ever sold, and that was like two hundred and twenty tickets um, by hand. But man, like I had never seen that type of love like jump up overnight. So it was just like it was weird to me because I was like, man, like I don't even know half these people, but yet they're sure. behind me and they're supporting <laughs> me, and this is. It's pretty cool. It was like it was. It was pretty awesome for that to happen, and uh, you know, it's like I found it very, very weird. I was like, man, this this is something that I've never expected, never, never, uh, never would have expected, and uh, and it was really cool. 
just for it to see the all the support, the love and support, and for it to keep on growing the way it has, man. It's it, like I'm loving it. I'm absolutely loving it just because like it's a you know it's, the social media stuff is it, pretty cool. You know, it's another avenue for you to invest and grow and grow. You know, for other things. Uh, so to me, like I'm loving it at this point right now. Absolutely, dude. The uh, so from the Dana White Contender Series, then you're into the UFC, of course. Your first UFC fight versus Victor Rodriguez was a dynamic head kick KO win. Your second UFC fight, an explosive right hand, just a few days ago uh, on UFC Fight Night Vegas 22. So your power has very clearly been put on display for all to see. You normally don't think of 135ers as being knockout artists. That's normally not the first thing that comes along. Where do you think this comes from, dude? Is it just is it just you were born with extra power? Is it extra weight training? Do you think you specifically train uh, to hit harder than others? Where does this super strength and KO power come from for you, dude? Man, I, I honestly really don't know. Uh, my my dad had always told me that I that I had heavy hands. He just he just told me I have heavy hands. I just need to learn how to land it. I just need to learn how to use it. Uh, I like and this was even before I even started fighting, like. There'd be times where I'd be patting my dad on the back and my dad would be like, Shh, calm down. <laughs> uh, <laughs> calm down. Like, was, and I didn't never really understood why, but, uh, you know, it, it was just one of those things that like, after, like, I think, uh, I would hurt people with my hands and I had like, I didn't think I hit hard. I still don't think I hit hard, <laughs> but, uh, but it's just, it was just a matter of like placing shots and like working on my actual technique because like I've been told like, all my career that I do have heavy hands and I do hit hard. Uh, but I never believe those guys. I, honestly, I still don't believe it. <laughs> uh, but you know, the, the work speaks for itself. Cause you know, I don't want to lean, I don't want to be like leaning too much on it to being like, uh, you know, like, yeah, I know I do have power, but I don't want to be like, every time I go in there, it's like, I can stop this. I can knock anybody out. It's like, I don't want to think like that just because I don't have to rely on the power, but you know, I, I've always been told I had power that never going to believe it. Uh, Never really going to believe it, not going to rely on it. But, you know, it, it's honestly just like a whole bunch of uh, like a whole bunch of drilling, just making sure I'm able to land the punches. And to me, that's the most important thing is uh, setting up and landing, landing shots and whatever I land. You know, if it hurts them, it hurts them. If it doesn't, it doesn't. You keep you keep fighting until they till they stop. So, you know, that's that's my mentality towards that and mentality towards like the actual power concept. Yeah, absolutely, dude. Now, kind of piggybacking off that last question, this is a good segue. So you're on a six-fight win streak, bro. Five of those were finishes via strikes. I feel like you're clearly one of the more top-tier strikers, particularly at the 135-pound division, which we know is full of sharks, dude. So besides your striking, what do you think – because that's what most of us have seen who have kind of joined you later uh, in this half of your career anyway. What, what other parts of your game do you think we haven't seen that you feel really good and confident with as far as your MMA arsenal? Oh, yeah, definitely be my jiu-jitsu. Uh, man, I started off doing jiu-jitsu. That was, like, my first actual martial art. Uh, no, I backtracked that. Like, I had, I did I did karate whenever I was little, but that was, like, two or three years. It wasn't much, and I honestly kind of don't really remember it too much. It was, like, like that was young. But, sure. uh, but, like, my first actual, like, actual martial art that I learned first is definitely Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Like, and it was one of those that, for me, that like I started there. I, I exceeded I, I passed I got into my into my purple belt within two and a half years. Like I excelled really fast. You know, it usually takes uh two years to get your blue, two years to get your purple, uh, after you got in your blue. So it takes about four years, you know, just to 
just to even get that. And I did it in half the time. So, you know, I, I feel really confident with, with my, my jiu-jitsu and my ground game. Uh, it's just a lot of people don't see it because I, I do love standing. I do love fighting. I do love, like, like going back to my first love and uh, and, and, uh, in combat sports is boxing. And I love knocking people out. Like, I love going in there, striking and being able to uh, stop people. So that's my, that's my favorite part of the game is uh, striking. But uh, I'm no slouch on the ground, man. Like, I've, I've been... I've been drilling it. I've been working it for a very long time, you know, and I feel like my ground game is very elite, but, you know, it's just the fact that I like striking. That's, that's my, that's, to me, that's my, that's, that's my favorite thing to do. That Absolutely. is everything to do. I love, I love getting an extra check out, out of it, you know, cause I don't see too many people getting <laughs> extra checks out, out of a submission. I see mostly anytime you see a knockout, that person's usually getting the extra check. So, you know, I, I that's, it, it works out in my favor as well. Yeah, 100%, bro. So Houston, Texas is where you call home. Also, that's where Metro Fight Club is. That's your gym. If It's got to be a great feeling to have, you know, such a high-level gym in your home city, right? So when did you start training with those guys over there at Metro, and what do you think makes it such a, uh, a dynamic gym to keep your career going in the way that it's going? Man, uh, I, I started train, training with uh, Metro and Salsalese, like I was 17, 18. Uh, okay. 17. So I started jujitsu whenever I was uh, whenever I was 15, and then after that I moved I moved away because I had my first I had my first MMA fight and realized like man like I need something more like I need something more like because I was dead tired dead exhausted in my first amateur fight and we we're only going three three minute rounds and I was thinking about I was like I only fought for nine minutes I need something more my striking's not there. My wrestling, my wrestling was kind of non-existent. I just went into that fight just a jiu-jitsu fighter. And, you know, the first place we went to uh, was uh, Metro Fight Club. And we walked into the gym. And we see, like, the pictures. You see the accolades of my coach uh, all displayed on his wall, on his wall with all the pictures. And I just walked in. And I was like, I was, me and my dad and my brother were taken away. And he let us watch the, he let us watch the private that he was doing. And you could see that he knew what he was talking about. And from there, there on out, like, it was like one of those things. I was like, I don't want to go anywhere else. And my dad was like, you're not going anywhere else. You're staying here. This is the guy that's going to get you, get you to where you want to be. So, you know, I took, I took that very, very seriously. And, uh, you know, ever since then we just were working, you know, it took a little bit longer than what we originally expected, but, you know, a whole bunch of uh, trials and tribulations that, that, that happened during like the, the 10 years that I've been with my coach Saul, uh, but everything is all paying off. Every all all the drills, all the work that we've done, and all everything that we put into it, you know, it's it, it paid off. It's paying off right now, and uh, now it's just pretty much like us. Like we know what we need to do, and now it's just to go out there and execute. And it's pretty cool that I'm able to like I was able to have, like be fortunate enough to run into some into a coach who was be able who who's able to take me to that level, you know, because there's some some fighters who had to go out there. And like let's just say like uh, they got it. They're in Georgia. They don't have the 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 training camp behind them because uh, I really can't think of any high level gyms that are out there. Uh, let's just uh, I'm just gonna use an example. No disrespect to anybody in Georgia or anything like that. But like let's just say there's an MMA gym in Georgia. They can only take you so far. They can only take you so far until you're like, well, then the closest place to me I gotta go is uh is Florida. I gotta go to American Top Team. You know, you gotta move and you gotta go get up and move all the way over there to, to Florida and pretty much like it's 
you got to do this whole move. Me, I don't have to move. I'm here. I found I was so lucky and blessed to find like the coach who had all the skills, black belt in jiu-jitsu under uh, under Rico Rodriguez, who got his black belt from uh, John Jacques Machado. So like it's a legit black belt. It's just a super legit black belt. And then on top of that, the, uh, he's he's been boxing and doing Muay Thai since since like before I was even born. So man, like just to have all that high level, and then he's he was working with uh, Tito Ortiz and all them back in the day, and so he's he has the wrestling down pat. And so it, it, it's just been a really good blessing. Like I have like one coach that I need for everything, yeah. and that's biggest and best thing that that i got you know he still hasn't even taught me everything everything yet he's still adding to my to my game every single time we we get to train hell yeah dude i love that i know people at home are gonna see it because we're just just an audio show but man i could see you light up when you were talking about coach Elise, dude that's that's something you love to fucking see bro i love it dude um so adrian we know you just fought and i know on your post-fight interview you said you'd love to fight in the upcoming houston card for the ufc so you said that out loud, you made it, you know, you kind of tried to speak it into existence. Have you heard anything from anybody over there at the UFC about that possibility? Man, uh, pretty much right after the fight, uh, I got, I got a call from a manager. He told me a couple things. He was like, he's like, first off, you got the, you got the uh, knockout of the night bonus. Like you got the performance bonus, which made me joyful. made me excited. And then he, then he, he asked me, he was like, how serious are you about May, May 15th? And I was like, oh, I am super serious. He's like, I really want that fight. And then uh, at the time, you know, I, I had gotten a tweet from that dude, Nathan Manis, saying that he, he accepted the fight. And I was like, I told him, I told my manager, like, on Twitter, he accepted the fight. He said he's down to throw, he's down to, he's down to do it. And uh, for me, I was, I was super excited about it. And uh, so he, I think there t he was uh, going to talk to Sean Shelby. So I haven't heard anything back yet, but I, I'm actually going to talk to him here very soon. So man, like, I'm just hoping I, I get it, you know, right now, I had to get medical clearance, you know, for my hand, because I told that, I shouldn't have told the doctors that my hand was sore, because, <laughs> like, yeah, six months suspension, I'm like, until, unless you're cleared by a doctor, and I'm like, yeah, fuck, all right, yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, it's just my hand being sore, man, they're, they're kind of blowing it out of proportion, but, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go, like, I'm absolutely ready to go, uh, for May fifteenth, like it's it's gonna be a like it's gonna be a good show, man. I can't wait to to actually be on that card, be in front of my hometown, be in front of a crowd. Like that's like my dream right now. Fighting in sure. the UFC at the Toyota Center, and I really want to make sure I get that card. Yeah, dude. I you know for some reason it automatically makes me revert back to when uh, Anthony Pettis fought in Milwaukee and beat Benson Henderson for the title. Like I just I remember that. That's exactly kind of the. Uh, the energy that I remember being, it was palpable, right? You could feel it. You could just sense it. Like, man, there's something different in the air. And I guarantee you that's exactly how it's going to be if you get to make that walk uh, in Houston on the 15th. So we all hope that happens for you, dude. So moving into our next question, we've got, okay, on your resume, we've got Fury FC, Bellator, Legacy, LFA, Dana White Contender Series, and now, of course, the UFC. You, you've been there and done that for all of them, dude. So, of course, you're the biggest promotion in the world of the UFC. You started 2-0 with two stoppages. What piece of advice would you give to Adrian Yanez from 2014, who was getting ready to make his pro debut for the Texas City Throwdown? What kind of would you tell that dude from 10 years ago? Or, well, no, not 10, seven years ago. <laughs> and I'd, I'd be telling that guy, like, look, trust the process. You know, I know, like, especially that day, I can still remember that day. Like, I was, like, so, 
I was so nervous because I like I felt like I was taking a big leap uh, from amateur to pro. So I was like making my pro debut. So I I remember those moments of being like, oh like crap, oh, holy shit, like this is this is big for me. This is big, and I kind of want to go wanted to go back and be like, hey, calm down. It's only gonna get bigger. It's like it's only gonna get bigger. You know, you deserve to be there. Like you worked hard for it. You know, because at points in times, especially earlier in my career. I was uh, very, like, kind of doubtful. I didn't know if I belonged to be there and all that stuff. So I have, like, mental issues a little bit, like, of, of me feeling like I didn't deserve to be there. So I kind of wish I can go back in time to be, like, and tell myself at that age, be like, hey, look, you deserve to be there. You put in all the hard work. Like, you did all the hard work. There's no need for you to feel undeserving. You deserve this. Like, you absolutely deserve this. And I'm telling you, it's only going to get bigger from here. And I wish I'd be able to go back in time to be able to tell myself that. Because, man, now, like, I have, like, my my mindset that I have now, man, dude, I'm like, like, oh, yeah, fuck yeah. I deserve to be here. Like, in the yeah. Years, it's, it's inevitable. So, uh, it, I have, it's unwavering to me right now that I'm in the UFC. Like, I'm, I'm, like, super excited. And it's one of those things that I'm happy to be in there. Like every single time I walk out, like I used to put on this mad face to try to be, try to be mad, try to make up this fake emotion. But for me now, it's like, man, I'm walking to the cage. I'm smiling because I'm just like, dude, I'm in the UFC. I'm living my dream. This is, this is fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah, unquestionably, dude. And, you know, that's the funny thing that people don't understand who uh, never fought, you know, in, in the professional ranks. It's, it's, it's impossible to recreate what experience gives you. Like, I would love to tell him, you know, because I did my pro debut in 09. I would love to tell that dude, hey, you know, do this, that, or the other. But I think it just it just comes with the experience. You just learn things through the process that you can't just articulate to somebody. So I'm so stoked that you even – you're a young guy yet still. I mean, I know you have a lot of experience under your belt, but you're a young guy still to have that mindset is only going to serve you moving forward, bro, 100%. Uh, so, Adrian, Metro Fight Club, your team – has some great fighters with some very unique nicknames, right? We got Pete, the secret weapon Sprat, for those of you who remember him on uh, Tough. We have Jason, the Slim Reaper Langolier, which I love. Slim Reaper, dude. Uh, Mana, Mana Boy, Martinez. I mean, some really cool nicknames. So we know, and a shout out to our boy Dave Fretz for the poster. We know that my man Adrian Yanez loves Dr. Pepper. We know it. <laughs> I just want you to mull it over. You don't have to say yes, no, or otherwise. I just want you to mull it over. What if the new nickname for Adrian Yanez is Adrian Dr. Pepper Yanez. <laughs> <laughs> Guaranteed sponsorship. I'm just saying, mull it over, think about it, my friend. So, oh, yeah. Before... <laughs> oh, yeah. I definitely would definitely take that into consideration. Hopefully, I don't get a cease and desist for the nickname. <laughs> right, right, right. It's just a, it's a nickname. I don't know what, yeah, I don't know what the rules and legalities are, all, but I think it should be okay. I don't know. Uh, so, dude, our ninth round with Rhino is always about food. And now, like, we just touched on the Dr. Pepper thing, but you just had your big win on Saturday. So what what do you go for for that first kind of you're done cutting weight? You've already finished the fight. You've already got your win. You got the big win bonus. Everyone's happy, feeling good, feeling hungry, ready to rock. What are you getting for food, and where are you getting it from? Oh, man, any place, any good food, wherever. I'm actually uh... – uh, this this Saturday, I'm, I'm probably gonna hit up a couple places. One place I definitely want to hit up is uh, my my buddy's uh, restaurant, Mike Seafood. Uh, man, that guy that guy knows how to throw it down in the kitchen, man. So he's like, he got enough. I, I can never go there during fight camp because it's all the unhealthiest stuff I I ever. <laughs> so like definitely after a fight camp, like I I gotta hit that place up. I just I like my whenever I landed from my flight uh, from Vegas to Houston, I went to my 
my favorite Mexican restaurant, Taqueria in Mexico. I had some quesadillas and the torta and everything. Chips and salsa always on point. So it, that's my thing, man. Anything Texas too, man. Anything like Texas barbecue, I'm 100% behind it. I'm eating, man. I'm trying to be full the whole entire time. Yeah, dude. Have you ever been to that? I know you live in Houston. So have you ever been to that um, burger place that's in a school bus? I saw a whole thing about them on television one time. I think I know what you're, I, uh, yeah, I know, I know, I know what you're, you're talking about. I don't think I've ever been there. Okay. I, I, there's a lot of other burger joints that, that are around. There's a place called Burger. I think it's actually it is called Burger Joint. Uh, <laughs> so uh, they, they have this thing called the Smokestack uh, Burger, and it's like a heart attack in a burger, man. I swear. Holy smokes. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, uh, I think they have uh, – it's it's a patty, uh, patty, and then they put, uh, I think, like brisket, coleslaw, and I think they put macaroni on it and all that stuff. <laughs> it's it, it, it's Oh, it's, it's ridiculous, man. I, I I go there and I I automatically eat it, and I just feel like I I need to shut down for the rest of the yeah week. yeah yeah. It's time to food coma after something like that. That sounds like one of those carnival eats episodes, right? <laughs> With all that oh, stuff yeah, on heart, everything. My heart be thumping, man. <laughs> <laughs> Adrian, man, I want to tell you how much we appreciate you having on. So the 10th round is where we ask you for you to try to share your socials with everybody. So everybody listening, every member of the Rhino Gang who's listening to this episode is going to get to be able to follow you on whatever platform they use. So if you don't mind, go ahead and uh, share your socials for us, bro. Man, at Twitter, Yana's MMA, you know, follow me. I'm, I'm doing a better job of getting back to people on there. Uh, Adrian Yana's 93 on Instagram. Give me a follow. Uh, I'm trying to do a better job on that platform to get back to everybody. You know, I'm still still learning all this stuff. And then also, I don't think I've hit 5,000 friends yet on uh, on Facebook, so you can add me as a friend. I also have an MMA fan page. If I do hit 5,000, y'all can hit me up on there at Adrian Yana's MMA on Facebook. So it, I, that's about it, man. And also, I do have a website. I do have a website where you can get uh, Yana's merch. It's uh, yanasmma.com. Hit it up. You know, help support a fighter, man. It, it's great. I got some nice hats, and I got some uh, T-shirts that, that I'm going to put up more T-shirts up on there, uh, you know, just, just to get something going. Absolutely, bro. We know that uh, we know that we're going to be following you in your career moving forward. We absolutely appreciate it. We know what a busy guy you are. We absolutely appreciate you coming on and uh, giving us some time today. So we certainly appreciate you having on, and uh, we'll absolutely look forward to seeing how it goes on the rest of your career, my friend. Cool. Thank you so much, man. Thank you for the platform. This is Adrian Yanez, and I just went 10 rounds with Rhino. What an excellent conversation with Adrian Yanez, dude. I really enjoyed talking with that, that guy. He is such a fun and humble and cool dude. He is very accessible to the fans. What a great guy. What a fantastic fighter and story. Love that guy. Can't wait to see what's next for, uh, for Adrian. All right. We definitely want to thank our homies of the Rhino Gang who contributed to the forum this week. The big homie Dean Dog, my man RSP. My girl, APB, the big homie, the OG, Jimisu, Juice from the Friendly Sparring Pod, another Canadian homie, D. Kranz, my boy, Dave Fretz, the eye sign of Rev Design. Check him out and his work on both Twitter and Instagram, at Dave Fretz. Some other members of the Rhino Gang, Brat, Kairos, and Mike Morgan from the Shots Fired Pod, the whole PRG. Uh, Marquise from Week Sauce Radio, my boxing brother, Miss Fight Diva. Both the lovely Pamela's, my girl Pokemama, Ashley the MMA nerd. I hope you are enjoying uh, beautiful Hawaii, my friend. Of course, my underdog MMA fam, Jillian, Chrissy, Monica, and Jason. Of course, the bros over at Dodge Sports, everyone in the team at Team Rhino Gang. Thank you guys for your unwavering support. It's been a 
Uh, it's been a whirlwind. I'm loving where we're at numbers-wise, week in and week out. Thank you guys so, so very much for your help. Of course, to the backbone of this operation, my Triple D, Dreyer, the feature player, D. Reigns, the best engineer in the biz, and of course, Dave Fretz, the Einstein of graphic design. Thank you guys so much for all your help week in and week out. I want everybody this week to please do your best efforts to be kind. Ha have a good week at work or otherwise. Be good to your neighbor. Uh, enjoy your social time with others, but keep yourself socially distanced. We're going to get through this together. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. Black Lives Matter, and we will see you next week. Kate Sox!